Now back to the Midday Grind with Martin and Marlo on 590 The Fan and 590thefan.com. Each time you leave, cause darling I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. So it's gonna be forever, or it's gonna go down in pain. You can tell me when it's over, mm, if the high was worth the pain. Got a long list of ex-lovers, they'll tell you I'm insane. Cause you know I love the players, and you love the game. We're young and we're It's a Hockey Wednesday like no other. Midday grind one week ago. We were in Boston, an epic game seven. Blues win it. Blues celebrate. Blues haven't stopped celebrating. How about a parade takeaway for you? We've all asked that question for alumni and player. Oh, what would it be like? Can you imagine what it would be like? And it seems everyone you talk to, the Chasers and Federkos who've been around for a while, that it did, in fact, exceed all of their wildest expectations. Do you think that's across the board for the entire organization in um, terms of the turnout? That, that it ex- oh, the turnout. The turnout and just kind of how big a party it was, that it was even more than they had imagined. Even answering that question for all these years, it I exceeded. don't know because um, I think if you would have talked to Bobby Plager and Bernie and these guys, Brett Hall, I'm going to talk about some of the alumni, people who have been around for a long time, working with the organization, the Mike Caruso's of the world. I think they've always said it would be unlike anything we've ever seen and that the attendance and the turnout would be bigger than anything we've ever seen. Um, and that proved to be true. You know, I mean, the parade was different than I think just about any other parade that you're going to find in professional sports. I mean, when's the last time you saw a parade where all the players were interacting with the fans that they were? I mean, the way they were. And getting out of their floats, getting out of the trucks, and just running around up and down the street. I mean, it was just an all-out party. And I've described it like this over and over, that it was just, it was a pure, it was a release of pure happiness and joy of an organization that has been built up to the level they have been without winning a Stanley Cup, but 50-plus years of frustration, wanting to be a part of that club, wanting to be a part of the Stanley Cup history and the tradition, knowing they deserve it, knowing they've been close in the past, knowing they've had great players, great teams, and just haven't been able to get it done. Um, I mean, I just think it was kind of everything, you know, just kind of wrapped in a bow, and everybody just kind of exploded at the same time. Pure joy mixed with barley, hops, water. Fireball. A lot of Bud Light being served on that parade route. And it's funny, before we started, you and I were part of the coverage on Fox and Fox Sports Midwest. Somebody with the security team, it wasn't a police officer, but somebody in the parade business came over and said, hey, just keep in mind, we don't really want you guys dragging the players off the float. We know you want to do some interviews. If you can, you know, just get them while they're going by. I said, understood. We're not looking to do 10-minute sit-downs. Anyway, we just get a little flavor. Within the first 30 seconds, everybody was out walking. Right. So that whole idea, and I understand some people in the back row said they couldn't see because they were all walking. That's why you want them up high. I do understand that part of it, but it was so unique. So, I mean. They were saying that the actual parade route, the plan was that would take about an hour. And then the rally would take somewhere in the range of an hour. And that the whole thing would be finalized and completed by 3 o'clock. And I mean, they got running a little behind. I think they got to the stage around three. I mean, so the actual parade route took three hours or so. So, um, but the players were having fun. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. I mean, you see some of these players 
that's just a sign of confidence too. I mean, to see Colton Pareko come out of his shell over the course of the last few days, how he was interacting with the with his teammates. This is why, I mean, the Blues are set up. I'm not going to sit here and make any uh, predictions, you know, but I will say. Just say they'll win it again no, in the next seven years. No, they'll win it again within the next eight years. I'll tell you that <laughs> right now. They are set up. Once again, out on a limb. To be great for a while, assuming Jordan Bennington is who we think he is. And there's no reason to assume that he's not. But when you have a horse on the back end like Colton Pareko, when you've got star power up front like O'Reilly and Tarasenko, under contract, Robert Thomas, the Jordan Kairos of the world, even the Barbashevs and the Sunquist, these guys are young hockey players. Um, there's no reason to assume the Blues, Blues won't contend for the next, you know, five, six, seven years. Eight in, years. Sorry. In terms of stock up, <laughs> my chart that I was keeping throughout the play, I think Zach Sanford's stock went way up. It did. Because he changed his game a little bit. I never imagined him. I know they always say he's a big kid. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's tall, but he's not that big. And then the way he played, though, he was way more physical. It's like he kind of bought into this Barubi style, and it made a difference. He was more noticeable on this. I think his stock is way yeah. up. Well, I think you're right. It's a good point by you. Thank you. And kind of what I was saying. Take that, Proner. In terms of the team buying into the identity that was created by their head coach. I mean, this is the way he wants them to play. Now, it's a little unrealistic to play that way throughout the course of an entire season. You know, I mean, you're just not going to. I mean, the Blues didn't play the style that we saw in the playoffs. I always say that there's regular season hockey, there's playoff hockey. It's like a completely different sport. It's just different. Um, you know, so for the Blues to be able to do what they did with the power play struggling as much as it did, I mean, it's just remarkable to be honest with you, and then so I, they were able to win. But getting back to Zach Sanford, and I've said this over and over, this guy has way more skill than people realize. I mean, you look at his, his uh, assist that he made, I forgot which game it was, from below the goal line, out to O'Reilly in front, you know, getting points in four or five games since coming into the Stanley Cup final. He looked overwhelmed in the first game against Winnipeg. The next couple games after that, he was just okay. He wasn't as bad as he was in game one against Winnipeg, and then he sat out. We're not even having this conversation if Oscar Sundquist doesn't get suspended because then Zach Sanford never even gets an opportunity to get back in the lineup. And did he ever take advantage of it? I mean, this guy was a second-round pick. People forget you got him in the trade for Kevin Shattenkirk. The New York Rangers right now are trying to figure out what do they do with Shattenkirk. They just made the trade for Jacob Truba, who played in Winnipeg. And, you know, Shattenkirk, you know, there was thought coming into the offseason that he would be a buyout candidate. They're looking to move him. So, again, you get a guy like... Uh, Zach Sanford, who's a young player who's got size and can put the puck in the net, who can make plays. He's good and tight. I mean, again, they've got some really, really good players. So he's in the mix now. I mean, he's got a spot next year. He's for, like a top six right now. day, top nine player. Because I like that line, O'Reilly, Perron, Sanford. That that yeah. trio together was pretty strong. Sammy Blay, party stock, way yes. up, way up. Party stock, way up. Very impressed. Probably not quite guaranteed a top 12 spot, of course, but yes. party-wise, I got him marked up. Joel Edmondson, I thought they were down on him mm-hmm. until they dressed him for Game 7. I yeah. thought they had kind of gotten away from him and were not using well, him. Well, the reason why they dressed him in Game 7, I mean, obviously it came down to him or Bortuzzo. Bortuzzo being a right shot. You've got Edmondson being a left shot. And I talked to Mike Van Ryan about this following, um, I think it was Game Game four, right? They lost game three. They won game four. And this was at a post-game celebration at OB Clark's. And he he knew. Right after you were on the NHL Network talking to Pronger. (laughs) Yes, got it, got it, got it. They knew that they were going to ride their horses on the right side. 
that Pareko and Petrangelo were going to eat up the bulk of the ice. So why not dress an, an extra left-shot defenseman, a guy like Edmondson who has history, who can play up the lineup with Petrangelo if necessary, if something were to happen to another defenseman who gets hurt or whatever, then all of a sudden it gives you a little bit of a luxury there to have some to have a backup plan. But I think that's what it came down to. I mean, Edmondson, his ice time was a little bit down in the playoffs compared to what we've seen from the past with him. But he's an RFA. It'll be interesting to see how they handle him. But I think they like the character that he brings. You like to use the word heavy. So he's got some heaviness in his game, and I would expect him to be back next year too. And then Jake Allen. Question goal, would they try and shop him a little bit? Is there any reason to – obviously he handled it well. Yeah. He's an experienced guy. He's still the third winningest goalie in, in franchise history. Yeah. Yeah. Liut, Cujo, and him. He's got value. You don't really need – a guy to split time with Bennington, although mm-hmm. your backups traditionally are playing, what, 20, 30 games anyway these right. days. What do you think they do? Um, I think they, listen, if it's me, it's not at the top of my priority list to move him, but it's something that they're going to have to address at some point in time. Whether it happens Friday or Saturday of this weekend at the draft remains to be seen. You're probably going to have to have to package another player with him. Um you know, Robbie Fabry is a guy who obviously uh, wasn't in the lineup for Game 7, had the injuries, but I think there is some intrigue from other teams if they want to go down that road um, who would need to be qualified. You know, the the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know, they need a goaltender. They're losing their number one, Sergei Bobrovsky. I, I had a conversation with Ben Bishop about this recently, and he, and he, he said, listen, Jake Allen, this guy is a really good goaltender. And if he ever leaves and goes somewhere else, people are going to see just how good he can be. It's not easy playing in a market where you know the fan base is kind of down on you. They're waiting for the ceiling to collapse. Uh, I agree with you. He did handle it very well, but not the easiest circumstances, especially for a player playing that position, playing the goaltending position. Um, But when you look at the raises, they're going to have to give a few other players, including Jordan Bennington, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they you know found a deal that they were happy with and moved on, but again I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a lock and it's a guarantee that Jake Allen's not here next year. Right, we talked a lot about the heavy game and the Burby style. Do people around the league are they considered goons? Are they? I mean, you get the two suspensions in the Stanley Cup Final, unprecedented that mm-hmm. that happened. Um, and to me, it looked like they were hits that happened, and then mm-hmm. sometimes the hit gets turns ugly, yeah. even if you didn't intend that as opposed to a Marshawn who's just kind of going around there trying to cheap shot people. What do you think the Blues' reputation is around the league? Um, well, I mean, those were hockey hits that went awry a little bit. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, the the Barbashev hit on Johansson, I, you know, you know, you, those are the hits the league wants to get rid of, right? The head contact. The, uh, the, the hit from Sunquist on Grizzlick was just a guy going in hard. I mean, that's just the way the Blues had to play. I mean, they had to play that way to have success. And doesn't Boston that, play that way traditionally? They do. So they kind of like, you know, you know, beat up the big bad Boston Bruins, but they beat up the San Jose Sharks as well. They beat up uh, Dallas. I mean, they handled Winnipeg, you know? I mean, every series went at least six games, so they weren't easy. But you look at their record down the stretch in these series from games four on, um, and it, it, all it tells you is that they wore down the other team and they beat the hell out of the other team and they had no answer once you got deep into the playoffs. But I don't think the reputation of a guy like Sunquist or Barbashev is going to reach 
you know, a level of, you know, a Tom Wilson or something like that, if that's where you're getting at, you know, from the Washington Capitals. These are guys that just play really hard. They get in there, they finish checks, and I think if teams are going to look to copy the St. Louis Blues, they're going to look to find players like that who can adapt their game. I mean, both those guys scored 14 goals in the regular season. Sunquist was the second-line center for most of the second half of the year, and in the case of Barbashev, he was centering Vladimir Tarasenko when the Blues were in the playoffs a couple of years ago to begin the series against the Minnesota Wild. And he's a former second-round pick. So these guys are just really good players. They're not just guys that run around and, you know, can physically beat you up. They kill penalties. They're aggressive on the penalty kill. They can come up with some big goals. They can make plays with the puck. I mean, these guys are hockey players who can play physical. I know Steen's got two years left on the deal. And any sort of like the back is deal where you got the five years. They all knew kind of on the back end. You may not want them under contract. Mm-hmm. Longest tenured blue. Great run getting to be a part of the cup. Is there any chance you think they'd try and buy him out? You know, I really thought that there was. Um, before the, the playoffs got to a certain point. And the way he adapted his game as well. I mean, again, you look at that line. I know everyone wants to call him the fourth line, but we all know they weren't the fourth line. I mean, they were playing 17, 18, 19 minutes playing against the other team's top players. I mean, the Blues would start their fourth line um, just about every game down. Who's the, texting? Just about every game. Every third ring he's got to announce who it is, right? Just right, about, I forgot about staff, that. Just about it's, rang, it's rang about seven times today, so I need at least two reveals. Is <laughs> no, it Lori? Is it no. your travel agency? Nope. Is it uh, Earth Moving Tools? Uh, good Earth Tools. NHL good Earth, Network. Good Earth Tools, um, NHL Network. You know, but you know what's interesting? If you're really paying attention to this. I mean, Kevin this, Allen. This is kind of getting the game within the game. Keeps going. The Blues kept starting their fourth line. <laughs> and usually um, a coach on the other team, you know, if they're the home team, they get to match who they want to put out there. And they would put out their top line or, the, or an offensive line to go toe-to-toe with the other team's fourth line, okay? Because they feel like that's a winnable matchup for them. But they weren't doing that. I mean, they, they didn't want their first line playing against the Steen line, right, with Sunquist and Barbershop. And there's no doubt that Sunquist and Barbershop, they were the engine that drove that line, right? But they did both talk a but, lot about his experience and what that brought to the table. I said this to you before, uh, helping them just understand situational play and time and score, when to change, when to get off the ice, Um Listen, you can never have too much experience. Steen is a very smart hockey player. The guy scored north of 30 goals in the past in his career and was once considered one of the top two-way players in the game. I, if there was talk about a potential buyout, and I'm sure this, these discussions were going on, although Doug Armstrong has never had a buyout, and believe me, he takes a lot of pride in that, and no owner in the league wants to buy out a player and essentially admit that you made a mistake with a contract, I, I really believe that if there was talk of that, that's been eliminated based on the way Steen finished out the playoffs. How about David Backers? Do you think he's looking at a buyout in Boston? No, no. I talked to him the other day, too. And, you know, his <laughs> when you look at the way his contract is structured with as much uh, signing bonus money that he has owed to him, there really is no benefit to the Boston Bruins in buying him out. You know, they're not going to save that much money. So it is what it is. Um, I think he's got a really good relationship with the general manager there. Obviously, maybe... He, Cam Neely is not the GM. Correct. He's the team president. Is correct. that right? He's throwing correct. stuff up there. but Correct. Yeah, he's throwing water bottles. Sweeney, that was a good toss. Sweeney is the GM. Cam Neely is over him, right? Yes, yes. And David and, and Don Sweeney have a very good relationship. I think 
you could probably safely assume that he and the head coach are not on the same page. And if you don't think that was hard for David Backus, I think most people probably understand that it was, the fact that he wasn't in the lineup, not just for Game 7, but for Games 5, 6, and 7. That was very difficult. But I, I, don't, I see him being on the roster to begin next season. All right, a week from tonight, the place to be is the Sheldon Concert Hall. It's next Wednesday, the 26th. I've been telling you about this. Second year for it, STL Sound Competition. It's basically America's Got Talent, but right here, in our own backyard. Will DeWitt put this together last year, wanting to raise a little money for a great organization called Heal, which helps bring music to the inner city. And the night itself, a lot of fun, seeing all these different genres of music competing for the top prize, which is a trip to Nashville, to a recording studio. Could be classic rock, could be hip-hop, jazz, all types of music. They've already whittled it down. So 75 people submitted they whittle it down to the top 10 that night. They'll all perform with you in the audience, and then the critics table, the judges, will pick a winner at the end of the night. Fun place to be, the Sheldon Hall. Get your tickets at the Sheldon Concert Hall website, thesheldon.org. Just enough time for a little thing we call the end of the day. The end of the day. Okay, when's the end of the day? At the end of the day, it's going to be tough to tell someone they might not be in it. At the end of the day, even though there's moments where you're like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to do this. Uh, I know this has been a very blues-heavy hour. Congratulating Andy, mostly. Yeah, mostly, because Strick won the cup. But injecting a little Cardinal talk into this, I feel like this might be... Nope, not allowed. (laughs) I feel like this might be emblematic, and Martin, you can do this. Strick, you can leave the studio. Hey, you remember uh, when Frank asked me, (laughs) would you be okay if the Blues won the cup if it meant the Cardinals wouldn't win the World Series for the next 10 years? And he, he, he was not okay with that. So... So Frank, it's your fault if the if there's a ten year who loves the blues now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> rank baseball reference. Name me. See if you can guess. Top five wins above replacement for the Cardinals. One through five on baseballreference.com for this year. This year, um, isn't John Gant surprisingly in the top five? He's three. What about okay. Ron Gant? Um, Ron Gant does not play for the Cardinals any longer. <laughs> I'm going to go Ozuna. Ozuna's fourth. DeYoung. DeYoung is first. So DeYoung, Gant, Ozuna. Uh, I'm going to say Hicks. Wong. Wong is second. Thank you. Uh, I mean, Hicks I, 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 I could do this five. better than Martin can, honestly. I just got three. Um, it's it's uh, the guy, uh, Jose Martinez. Jose Martinez, no. not in the top five. Hicks and Martinez aren't in the top 12. Okay. Mm. So we nailed it with DeYoung, Wong, Ozuna, Gant. Gant. You're missing five. Who's the fifth? Carpenter. The fifth. No. No. Molina. Is Goldie? No. He nope. can't be. No. It's. Oh, Dexter Fowler. Yes. Thank you. Is that right? That's I right. Yes. That's why you brought this up. In case you're wondering why they're a middling 500 club, that's not the five you would want to be at the top. Put me on the Cardinal Hall of Fame committee. You'd want Goldschmidt. <laughs> okay. You'd want Carpenter. Flaherty is six. Miles Michaelis is 12th. There is no Jordan Hicks in the top 12. That's all problematic for the Cardinals. I thought that Wong had fallen off of late. Defense, so. no, no. Defense, no. Martin. Right, defense. I know. No, he has not. Defense. No. Well, hitting-wise, he's fallen off. Did you hear what Trump said over the weekend? Uh, Maybe. No. Talking to Stephanopoulos, <laughs> and he said, I'm not a breakfast guy at all. I like the lunches, but the dinners is what I really like. What's your favorite meal, breakfast, lunch, mm. or dinner? 
It's a good question. It's, it's it? a great question. This is a great, it's a great question. Yeah. Congratulate me for the great question. Great question. I think I'd have to go dinner. Oh, dinner by far. Because I could skip breakfast and I don't care. I could skip lunch and I don't care. I'm not a lunch guy. Not a lunch, not guy. A lunch guy. And I'm not a big breakfast guy. I'll have my isogenic shake, maybe a bar. Maybe um, some good earth tools. Maybe Martin some good will, earth tools. Martin will have a bar, too, for breakfast sometimes. It's a different kind of bar. No, no. Breakfast bar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dinner is the answer. Okay. Big dinner guy. Me, too. Okay. Uh, Cardinals, to Cardinals tonight, do they do they beat the Marlins? Oh, they'll win tonight. They'll take okay. three or four from the Marlins, which means they got uh, two to go here. I won't be here tomorrow, so give me, give me the Zach Gallen line. He's scheduled to make his Major League debut tomorrow night against the team that traded them. Five innings, one run. Okay. Where are you going on vacation? Hawaii. Oh, good Look at this for guy. You. Oh, back with the family. Oahu, yes. Got yeah, family I, overseas. I think his in-laws are from there. Uh, my mother-in-law is. Yes. yes. I like how you're yes. quizzing it. Like, yes. is that true? Yes. And then yes. he's sitting right here. It's like, so, that's good We're going you. back to what she considers to be her hometown. That so is a we'll long drive. Our long flight, I'm sorry. Longer drive, really. Long but, uh, flight. Yeah, but in a couple stops. L- don't let Lori hear this. If people actually go to Hawaii, it's like, well, we're going to the draft. Uh, Vancouver's beautiful. Oh, we're going to Whistler for our 10-year anniversary after the draft. Jeff Courtnall. Courts. Um... Uh, might see courts. I don't know. Number Maybe. fourteen, Garth Butcher, Candidly. Daddy's time of year is uh, in the overtime. Extending. D T O Y. Keeps going. That's hey, the end of the day. Where are the kids? Ah, oh, we just left them at home. They're fine. <laughs> They're fine. Strick, great to see you. And again, congrats. Casual Strick. Thank you. People don't see how Strick is dressed today. This he is shaved. Super casual. What's so, so casual? The hat. Flip flops. Oh, the hat. Looks like yeah. you go to Hawaii. Um, to be honest, I would like to go to go to Hawaii. Everything got uh, my shoes got ruined at the. Uh, oh no. The parade. Yeah. Celebration. A lot. Vladdy was dumping beer on you. Did a car yes. run over Vladdy was dumping beer. Patty Maroon. I think someone, uh, Edmondson, maybe dumped some fireball all over me. I mean, it was like it's it a waste, waste of fireballs. <laughs> wow. Uh, next week, Schnooks. We're going to be next Friday, I think. Arsenal. Schnooks off sh- Arsenal. Looking oh my, forward to getting back into the city. Schnooks, and they're a, all my favorite. We had a great actually. time at the South Grand location last week. Schnooks, for all your weekend needs, all your weekday. What do you need? You need groceries? Okay, fine. You need a maybe a. Floral arrangement for the misses because you're taking her to the NHL draft. You need a stuffed animal. They've got great. They got all of that. Need some sugar fire or you want to do the cooking? Stop by your neighborhood schnooks. I guarantee there's one. Do you know what the schnooks we go to? Um, there's like an elephant or something that like is hidden around the store. Like I never even knew this was going on. Whoa. And my kids, they know about this. So when we go in there, they take off running, searching for this elephant. And then like when they that. find it, they bring it to the front desk and they get a prize. Meanwhile, it's Daddy's time of year. <laughs> Hold on. Can you guys do the shopping? Pronger's calling. <laughs> NHL Network's calling. Got to go. All right. The hard line is coming up next here on 590 The Fan.